Welcome back to Refugee Report. This week is centered around education and how a lack of education puts refugee children, and more specifically young girls, at risk. Before beginning, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. The UNHCR, which is the UN Agency for Refugees, estimates that half of the 3.5 million refugee children of primary school age do not go to school. 91% of children around the world attend primary school. Now compare this to only 50% of refugee children attend primary school. Schools are seen as a safe haven for refugee children, and they can play a vital role in identifying any risks of abuse, sexual and gender-based violence, or forced recruitment. The UNHCR estimates that on average, a refugee misses out on three to four years of schooling because of forced displacement. Now, even though great strides have been made already to enroll more refugee children in primary school, many are falling behind their host country peers. In countries such as Chad, Kenya, Malaysia, and Pakistan, the percentage of refugee children enrolled in primary education is roughly half of that of their host country peers. Even though many countries do not put explicit barriers in place stopping refugee children from receiving an education, many factors affect a refugee's accessibility to education. This includes the distance a child has to travel to get to the classroom and a whole host of social, cultural, and economic factors that can stop students from going to school. The UNHCR has been pushing for many years that refugees be included in their host country's national educational systems and follow the national curricula for students, helping them to become equal with their host country peers. Despite this, and evidence which shows the advantages of refugee inclusion in the classroom, many refugee communities are quite reluctant to have their children study within a foreign system. This is because many families worry that by immersing their child in the host country's curricula, they will lose their ties to their native countries, their native cultures, religions, and cultural identities. Now turning towards young refugee women. At a global level, for every 10 refugee boys in primary school, there are less than 8 girls. And for every 10 refugee boys in secondary school, there are less than 7 girls. Accessing education is difficult enough for female refugees, even at the primary level. But it is even harder to find secondary school for female refugees, as they are not prone to existing in refugee environments or communities. There's also a cultural aspect to this. Many communities actually resist the idea of girls receiving an education into their teens. Research is now emerging which shows that there is a need and an urge for girls to remain in school longer. It has been founded that girls who remain in school longer raise healthier, smaller, and better educated families. Education directly correlates to reducing child marriage by roughly two-thirds, teen pregnancy, and maternal and infant mortality. Along with this, access to education can greatly increase a child's health, and educated mothers are more likely to source clean water, vaccinate their families, and seek a doctor when their child is ill. Educated mothers can also better protect their families from threats because they have a heightened sense of their surroundings. Research conducted by the UNESCO estimates that educating mothers to lower secondary education in Sub-Saharan Africa by 2030 could prevent 3.5 million child deaths between 2050 and 2060. It was also found that 59% fewer girls would become pregnant in Sub-Saharan Africa and South and West Asia 
which are some of the top hosting regions for refugees. And so there's all this evidence to show that educating women can help them establish healthier families, help them live cleaner lives, use more of the resources that are granted to them. But education also helps empower young women. And many feel that by being educated through secondary schools, they are given a newfound respect and the confidence they need to be a leader. Now we wanna focus on a few real examples which show the effects of education and the impact of losing it. So in Pakistan, for example, Pakistan is one of the largest hosting countries for Afghan refugees. And we have already done an episode on Afghanistan, so if you want to learn more about Afghanistan, please feel free to listen to that episode. But in Pakistan, 47% of Afghan boys are enrolled in primary school, compared to 23% of girls. And dropout rates among Afghan refugee girls are high, up to 90% in some areas. As a result, the literacy rate for refugee girls and women in Pakistan is less than 8%. A really dangerous cycle is starting. Because less women are being educated, this means that there are less female teachers who might help encourage more schools to attend school, making it increasingly difficult with generations to break the cycle. And one thing that we found in our research, which was very compelling, not only is accessing education important, accessing quality education is important. And so not only must we focus on the fact that schools are being built, we also must focus on using motivated and well-trained teachers, which can help encourage students to come to school more, as the quality of education is one of the greatest ways to get a student into the classroom. We also must look at countries that had effective and established educational systems before conflicts arose. And in this case, we wanted to look at Syria. One thing that should be prefaced before going forward is that for this example, we will both look at forced, internally displaced persons as well as those who have fled the country. So the Syrian government strived to eliminate illiteracy by 1991. So it invested heavily in building schools in many areas, and the government even created mobile schools for remote desert areas. Along with all this, parents were legally obliged to send both their sons and daughters to school. And if daughters did not attend their classes, there was a risk of facing punishment. The enrollment ratios, and what I mean by this is females as percentage of males, were very much equal at 99% for primary education and 100% for secondary. It was believed during this time that Syria's literacy rate was roughly 90% for both men and women. In 2009, 94% of Syrian children attended primary and lower secondary school, but in June of 2016, only 60% of Syrian children attended primary and lower secondary school, meaning 2.1 million children were not receiving an education. But this figure does not include the number of Syrian refugee children in other surrounding countries. So outside of Syria, roughly 4.8 million Syrian refugee children are registered with the UNHCR, and 35% are of school age. So the figures we are about to read come from a 2016 UNHCR report, which focused on education. In Turkey, only 39% of school-aged refugee children and adolescents were enrolled in primary and secondary education. 40% were registered in Lebanon, and 70% were registered in Jordan. This means that nearly 900,000 Syrian-aged refugee children and adolescents were not in school. 
Focusing back to internally displaced people in Syria, in 2015, there was roughly 17 million, and Syria became the country with the largest number of internally displaced. A Save the Children study entitled Education Under Attack displayed how dire the situation was becoming inside of Syria, and specifically for schools, as they have, quote, been indiscriminately bombed, destroyed, end quote. Many armed groups have taken them over or turned them into forts or torture centers. Now, given the poverty that many Syrians face within Syria, having lost their livelihoods and as well as not having income generating opportunities, families are forced to push education down their list of priorities. And while many studies do highlight the effects and the impact of a lack of education on refugee boys, we really want to focus on girls, as the Syrian conflict has been distinguished by the brutal targeting of women. So the UN has put together evidence to show the systematic sexual assault that women and girls face and has stated that rape has been quote a weapon of many militant groups in Syria have only escalated the brutal treatment and sexual enslavement of women and although there have been cases of sexual violence of boys there is a heightened security concern as many parents are more reluctant to allow their daughters to travel very long distances to attend school. This is because young girls are targeted. Now I wanna focus on those who have left the country, specifically using an activist named Mazum al-Melahan, who has been called, quote, the Malala of Syria. She is a young woman pushing for the education of refugee children in camps and is helping to inform people and break the taboos around refugees. Mazum fled Syria when she was 13 years old, and she was only able to take the things that were most valuable to her, which for her meant her school books. Mazum was devastated when her father made the decision that her family needed to flee to Jordan, and she was devastated about leaving her friends and her family, but what upset her the most was the idea that her education may have to be sacrificed. In a TED Talk given by Mazum in 2017, she expressed her surprise when she realized that education wasn't a priority for many families in the camp. When I went to school at uh, uh, the camp, and it was my first day there, I expected every child in the camp loves the school and wants to go to school, and they are really pleased to come back to education and to have opportunity to, to study. But unfortunately, I noticed and I saw Parents, girls, and boys who don't believe in education, who thinks education is not a priority when we became refugees. And they know their lives are really tough because they had war and they are suffering in the camp. They think that it is the end of their lives and they don't want to study. But that made me really sad and really shocked because when I saw those people who don't believe in education, I knew it is going to be a disaster for my country and for the people themselves. Just as the same way as education is not a priority for those living in Syria, education is not a priority for those living outside of Syria as well. The UNESCHO came out with research that found by observing over 21 years that regions with, quote, very low average rates of education had a 50% chance of experiencing conflict. In this same TED Talk, Mazun expressed her belief that it was education which would save her country further supporting this research. My, uh, for example, my country doesn't need just to Muzun as an educated person. It needs the whole generation. Every child should go or must go to school to have education and to have knowledge to be able to go back and rebuild our country. Children 
being exposed to exploitation, trauma, and abuse in these conflict situations are some of the most vulnerable and are those who are affected most by the consequences of these crises, particularly the impact of health and education. And so a point we really want to make is not only a Syrian child out of school, but every refugee child out of school is a lifetime's potential under threat as this is undermining the opportunities which they may have gained. In so ensuring access to learning is an essential platform for the protection and social and economic stabilization of these countries. That concludes this episode of Refugee Report. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. Our goal with this is to educate as many people as possible about refugee issues. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Wartime Aid, and tune in next week to learn about the issues refugees face every day. As always, thank you for listening.